Elite Expert Insider, the podcast that educates, inspires, and motivates you to take your business and life to the next level. We would like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. Please go to the link bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. That's bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. And get a free 30-day trial to show your support. Thank you, Audible. Now to Elite Expert Insider for conversations with industry leaders. Welcome, everyone. This is Jen Foster, and today we have the pleasure of interviewing Miguel de Jesus and we're excited to hear all about him. He has written the book Success Leaves Clues and he is a highly accomplished C-level leader with more than 20 years experience of business management and global sales marketing. So he works with 500 uh, Fortune 500 companies in sales leadership and training. So we're really excited to have you here Miguel and I'm welcome. Happy to be here Jen. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do, where you came from. That's a great question. So for those of you unfamiliar with New York City, I grew up in the, in the uh, borough of Manhattan, New York, on what is called the Lower East Side today. And it's got a whole host of different names attached to it and lived in what's called public housing in New York City. So public housing has uh, thousands of people living in one tall structure in our building in alone, there were probably about a oh, total of about 1,100 total people living in one structure, uh, two-bedroom uh, apartment. Uh, my uh, mom and dad and uh, my younger brother and I uh, grew up on the uh, on the Lower East Side. So, um, having gone through the public school system of New York and also going to uh, the High School of Music and Art in uh, Uptown Manhattan. I did that for four years, so I, uh, I have been trained in classical music, know how to do that. I also do uh, jazz, Latin, uh, combo mix. I like music. I like good music, and uh, I can distinguish the difference between good and not so good music. Uh, so that's one of the things that I did. Uh, earned uh, owned a retail store in New York City uh, back in the late 60s, myself and three partners. So we were in what is affectionately called the New York the rag trade. The rag trade has anything to do with selling clothing. So uh, we learned a lot doing that um, and uh, did that for about three years, uh, uh, closed the store down and decided to go work for a company. So I worked for, I got hired and worked for Xerox Corporation in sales and in operations for a total of about 20 years uh, before I moved over to another uh, smaller company so uh, Xerox at the time was about a $15 billion company, and I moved from $15 billion to $40 million in size. Went to work for a company called uh, Paychex, which was small by comparison, $40 million at the time. And my intent and purpose in doing that was to help that company grow, uh, use my skill sets, which uh, uh, served us all very well, to help grow it from $40 million to about $2 billion by the time I retired in 2007. So uh, I'm coming up on almost 10 years of doing executive coaching, leadership coaching, training, helping business owners grow. And as you know, uh, Jen, in the entrepreneurial space, uh, you know, what's good today is not so good tomorrow. So it's, it's a moving target. You got to continually be in a learning mode and you always have to check your ego at the door and accept new concepts and new strategies to help yourself grow, but also other companies. So that's my story, sticking to it, living in Carlsbad, California, 
I have three adult uh, children and uh, one 15-year-old granddaughter. Oh, that's great. Carl, Carlsbad, that's, that's a great place. Yep. That's great. Well, and classical music is, is awesome. I was in the orchestra, played the viola, so I know. Oh, very good. Love the orchestra. Great. Awesome. Yeah. What, what now? Now violas. They, if if you were like the uh, the brass section, they they categorized you by you know first, second, third back then. Mm -hmm. So I will uh, accept the glory of being first trumpet uh, yeah. during my college days. You were the elite. I, I was. They always put me in that second category, so they always made fun of the violas. <laughs> Just like you'd make fun of the trombones or something. Right? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I always loved the bones, the trombones. They were good. Yeah, for sure. Well, tell us a little bit. So, so you became a well-known expert in your field by learning from, like, working all those many years in Fortune 500 companies. And who would you say your mentors or models were? As you yeah, were? I've got several mentors and models along the way. So, um, what served me well in a corporate setting was to attach myself to at least two, three uh, different mentor role models that uh, serve to guide and counsel me and give me feedback along the way in a corporate setting. Because uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't born into a corporate environment. I got hired into one. Uh, hmm. I had to learn all the stuff associated with a corporate environment. I feel blessed in many ways, but one of the ways I feel blessed is during my selection of two uh, Fortune 500 companies, um, uh, I selected well. Um, I am not one of those people who uh, regrets a corporate setting, had a problem in a corporate setting, had none of those things. Probably because I was a contributing leadership elite performer and when you perform at any level, whether it's an entrepreneur setting or a corporate setting, people pay attention to you. They actually ask you your opinion, Jim, uh, and ask you how you can help them grow the company. So I was uh, blessed and fortunate in two occasions to do that. In the second company that I retired from, which was Paychecks, I actually was very happy and excited to lay the foundations of growth, uh, both by helping to found uh, Paychecks University and to helping grow the next levels from a succession planning, leadership planning standpoint. You cannot scale and grow, grow a business unless people are ready to assume greater responsibility. So, I enjoyed laying out the foundations of what ultimately became the Paychex University leadership programs and sales programs at that company. So those, those are the things that led me along the way. I, I probably cannot overemphasize the significance of having people that you know, like, trust, and respect giving you guidance and coaching. Uh, and that's, a, that's an internal setting, et cetera. But I also, for the last 10 years, have invested a lot of money in personal development, as I have always done that. Personal development, by definition, is personal, so you shouldn't expect anybody to do it for you or to you. Right. Uh, and so I never waited or asked for permission in the area of personal development. I just went out, sought some uh, leadership people, some mentors, some people who could shorten the gap between knowledge and execution so that I could accelerate performance and, and hence results faster, quicker, and better than I could if I tried to do it all by myself. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that notion that we've all grown up with that, uh, you know, you pull up your bootstraps and you go out and do it by yourself, it's an interesting concept, but that's probably the quickest way to failure, uh, and we really should be 
suggesting to people, our students and our coachees, that they should seek out support, assistance, mentorship from people who can help shorten that gap. Right. So that's my well, story of that, yeah. Yeah, well, and it's always better to follow in someone's footsteps than to create your own path. Absolutely. Or, or even if you even if you've got nobody that's actually been there before you, but two minds are better than one. The power of the power of mentorship and the power of mastermind is very, very significant in the things that I've done in the last decade. Yes. Yeah. Masterminding is very good, and if people don't know what that is, explain what what would be a mastermind. Well, a mastermind. The original concepts were popularized by uh, Napoleon. Hill's book in the 1920s, The Think and Go Rich. He was actually commissioned by Andrew Carnegie to go study some of the 50 to 100 most successful business people on the planet at the time. And uh, one of the uh, key principles that he discovered was that successful people don't don't talk to themselves. They talk to other people, other successful people. They share. They they are collaborative. Uh, probably people who are not in the same industry, though. I will add that caveat. Uh, you know, developers didn't all meet and talk to developers. Uh, but in in non-competing industries, the power of multiple minds thinking about the same issue is very powerful because the strategies, techniques that have been successful in one industry are very transferable to other industries. Um, uh, let me give you an example. I, I'm, I'm speaking at an event in... Uh, uh, the end of August, third week of August in Chicago, and I'm speaking to the pet industry, the Association of Pet Industry Owners. So uh, it runs the gamut from from the actual pets to pet supplies to boutiques to to um, uh, shampooing services. I mean, it, it's a it's an interesting eclectic group of business owners. And yeah. um, again, from the standpoint of business growth and development, small business people are challenged today, just like anybody else with how do you compete with the largest big dog in the market, in this case being PetSmart, Petco. And so how do you compete if you're a small local mom and pop? So among the things that, that you and I both know are very successful from a marketing and direct marketing standpoint is publishing a book. One of the things I'm going to talk to them about is do you have a book? Would you like to have a book? Why don't you have a book? And what would create from a branding standpoint, you in this very crowded category of business to be unique and different than everybody else who's in it. I guarantee you, because I've been to the uh, Petco's and the, and the big stores, you walk in, they're basically, it's basically a warehouse, all right? In one corner, you may have a cute little pet being trained, all right? That, that tugs at your emotions. Ooh, isn't that nice and sweet? And then the rest of it is basically a warehouse, right. uh, loaded, loaded with trinkets, loaded with bedding, uh, and in another corner, you've got a shampoo area where they actually clean and wash out the pets and make them look great on the way out. And for that, in exchange for 200 bucks, you walk out as a proud parent <laughs> of a happy pet. All right. Well, that, that's not a very complex model. So how do you compete in that model? One of the things that you and I both know are important is the power of education. So if these folks have a website, which I'm sure they all do, and I visited a few of them, and they're all very pretty, but they're all very static, meaning there's no interaction, no engagement, there is nothing. Uh, so they could benefit from some guidance in terms of making the, their, their own websites very interactive, but more importantly, providing high-value content to their visitors in the form of education. And how do you put that in education? I don't know. Call it what you want to call it. Call it a blog. Call it a newsletter. Call it a book. 
right. whatever you got to do, you got to engage your people. And what better methodologies are, are available today than writing a book? Yeah. So that's one of the things I'm going to share with them in terms of creating a cat, what I call a category of one. Uh, the pet industry is very competitive. But you'll recall, Jen, in the early 90s, uh, in the category of cars, automobiles, I mean, for most people, most, but the, and I understand there's an elite class that drive Teslas, but most people are just looking for average transportation to get from point A to point B. So what did, what did Toyota do in the 90s so very cleverly, so very smartly? Because Toyota is a, is a car company, isn't it? Yeah. yeah right. So they created their own category. They called it the hybrid class. It was called the Prius, that ugly car in the in the 1990s that delivered 50 miles per gallon. Holy cow, did you say 50 MPGs? We can do that. So so they went out, created their own category, and Toyota is no longer a car company, it's a hybrid company. That's how for the next decade people got to know them. You know, they associated hybrid. Toyota, Toyota Prius, to be very precise. And then, you know, uh, Detroit figured out hybrids would be a good thing to do, so they decided to uh, change the marketing, do a little bit of changes to their cars and call them hybrids, but never, ever to this point have delivered 50 miles per gallon. Anyway, that's just a brief story of, of how branding becomes very important, and that same idea and concept can be transferred to the pet industry. Right. Well, and setting yourself apart with the book is is key because that's going to tell people and teach people, which is what you need to do: is brand yourself and teach and educate. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm looking forward to that event. Um, and so you, um, so you do lots of speaking, training, and coaching. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you run into by your clients? Uh, once we get over denial, so let me start with denial, uh, not the river in Egypt. <laughs> denial, um, which usually comes on the basis of either their leadership, their boss, subordinates, or peers, suggesting to them that they should invest in some personal development. So it starts with acknowledgement, all right? So let's acknowledge there's a problem. Once we've acknowledged there's a problem, then I ask my clients or prospective clients to take an assessment, usually, uh, and I'm certified in, a five, in about five different assessment tools. They're all, they all do different things. There is a little overlap, but, you know, one tool doesn't, does not, you know, satisfy the needs of the different people. In other words, I'm the kind of support person where I use the right tool for the right situation. You know, there's, I'm, for example, this certified DISC, uh, and I use that in sales, sales management, sales training, etc. But a DISC is not always the best and only tool. Uh, I may use Myers-Briggs, MBTI2, to coach and assist the person. Or I may use one of my favorites, which is uh, an EQ assessment, emotional intelligence. Especially in this world and time when people are interested in uh, developing relationships with people, even their vendors, all right? And the flip side of that is whether you're in sales or not in sales, it kind of doesn't matter. Emotional intelligence is really a communication technique that helps you communicate across all boundaries, across all disciplines, across all parts of the company, and equally as important with your clients. So, so once we get to acceptance, then we get into assessment, and from assessment, I help the clients develop their plans of action on how they can uh, moderate 
develop and strengthen some of the skills that have been uh, laid out for us in terms of the assessments. So the assessment tool becomes an excellent foundation for developing a plan of action, which we then decide to implement over a 30, 60, or 90-day period. Then we come back on the back end, do another assessment. We do a 360 assessment, asking the entire organization to comment uh, by virtue of a survey on specific questions that we asked them so that we can, in fact, notice if there's been a shift, a change, increase, or decrease, depending on the issues that we have encountered, in the behavioral responses of that candidate. Does that help describe the process? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty involved. It's not, it's not a quick solution. Uh, uh, people's solutions are not quick, by definition. Um, they require time, engagement, feedback, and development. So that's why the process really works best when you do it in a 30, 60, 90 day time frame to evaluate progress and any transformational change that's going to take place. One of the things I promise people is they're going to transform. You're not going to be the same person today that you were yesterday right. or today as we move forward if you decide to work with me. And that's in not only in the area of personal development, it's also in the area of business marketing and development. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you hit on a key thing there, which is, you know, asking the questions and taking the survey, getting the feedback with the follow-up. Because, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll tr try and change, but you don't go back and look at, you don't go back and ask yourself the questions like what exactly happened. You don't do that survey and go over that. So I think that you hit key right there. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, Jen, as you know, you know sometimes in in casual conversation or in a presentation or a sales presentation, you know people uh, react a certain way. I sometimes will will pause uh, the interaction from wherever I am and ask the person what what's coming up for you. And I when I use that phrase, what what happened? Because I saw a physiological change in you. What that what did that bring up in you? Um, and that's because I work very hard at paying attention. Um, see, it's real hard to pay attention when you're talking. Uh, so when you talk, then shut up and pay attention, all right? Look at the physiology, listen to the words, and then go from there and really, really engage and understand the nature of the problem that the person is communicating to you. Um, and if you're real good at that, I guarantee you, you're probably looking at an excellent, excellent trans transformation and engagement with a client that's going to value you in a very large way. Yes. That's some really good key um, points right there to anyone in your field or anyone that's coaching is to, or even in any kind of business is listening. Yep. Yeah. That's great. So what would you say are the top three questions that people ask you about your, about what you do? Top three uh, questions are, well, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to show you here. Here's, here's a question that they ask, and it's the title of a book. Mm -hmm. All right, so what do you do? So this is an anthology book that you're familiar with, where the, in this particular book there are uh, 39 co-authors. Mm -hmm. uh, and we answered the question. You know, you go to a cocktail party, you go to a new event, networking event, what's the first thing people ask you? So what do you do? And, and it's not, a, it's not a, a new question or a different question, but I guarantee you, Jen, that very few people spend any time thinking about replying to that question. You know it's coming. You know it's predictable. So what do you say? Well, some people go into their 20-second, uh, 30-second elevator pitch. Well, that's so salesy and so dated and so weak and so, uh, I don't know. I, I just think it's, 
it, it's not as professional as it could be. So could you still have a 30-second introduction? Of course you can. But it doesn't have to be pushy. It doesn't have to be salesy. In fact, it's better if you leave the person with a still with a puzzlement, bewilderment, and a question mark after you say what you've said, because then they'll ask you, what does that mean? You know, can you explain to me a little bit more about what you do? And then you get into a, a further conversation, or even even invite a person to a uh, you know a small uh, you know coffee meeting in the morning. Uh, I do a fair amount of that. Actually, I get invited to a lot of those. Um, you know, one of the most dangerous expressions in coaching and consulting is to hear is, "Can I pick your brain?" <laughs> well, I've invested a lot of money on that brain in knowledge, and I generally don't give away my uh, information for free. But because I like you, I'd be more than happy to have a uh, 20-minute strategy conversation with you if that's really what you want. But it would be more effective in my time and your time. Uh, to avoid driving somewhere to have coffee when what you're really looking for is information. And, and so I cut to the chase real quick. I don't try to be offensive. Uh, I just want, I, I need to manage my time, not their time. And to the degree that I can accomplish uh, developing a relationship, providing value, sharing education with someone in 20 minutes, I'm always available to do that. But, you know, that the, the traditional training is invite somebody, you know, to coffee. Uh, you know, that's kind of old. That's very B&I-ish, and I don't do that. I don't. Interesting model for them, not a good model for me. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. so that's question one. So what do you do? And then I work in the area, Jen, of three areas. One is mindset, skill set, and tool sets. So once I, through a complimentary 20-minute discussion determine that they've got a mindset problem everything else that they called me about is really second nature but here, here's what I've learned in working with people you have to give them what they want and then deliver what they need mm -hmm. but you can't do both at the same time even if you're in total disagreement as the master sensei of problem solving all right you cannot give them the answer you have to teach them, or at least I do, how to think for themselves. I mean, I don't want that kind of client on a perpetual basis. That's not very instructive to them, to have to rely on a sensei, and uh, and it's really boring for me. Um, so I usually help them through their thinking, give them a process and a system so that they can do it for themselves. So that's the mindset component. So so for after mindset, then we go into skill sets, and I can evaluate that fairly quickly. Most of the time when people have already admitted that there's a gap or my assessment has shown there's a gap, they're ready and admit and own up to the fact that they can't do it themselves. So that's a skill set issue. And that requires more than a 30-second conversation, 30 minutes. You know, it could, it could be a succession of meetings over 30, 60, 90 days to begin to shift skill sets. That's very true in the sales setting, sales environment. I'm very good at copywriting or saying in words what sales effective salespeople do and how they position themselves and what they say that is a skill that's transferable but it takes time uh, you know somebody uh, Jen let me ask you a question have you ever been at an event or listened to somebody and they said something to the audience or to you first of all it made, made you feel like they were speaking to you and then number two 
um, it was so so non-salesy but effective. All right, and you said, "Wow, you know, your little voice in your head said, "Wow, I'd like to do that." Or how can I do that? How quickly can I learn it? Well, those are skills that are transferable. There are models that are transferable where people own it. Yes, originally is going to sound scripted, but until you internalize it and own it, at that point it will become more authentic, more real, more easy. So that's the second component I teach on, skill set. And the last one is tool set. See, everybody really hires you for tool set. <laughs> they want the answer, they want it now. You know, what software does that? How can I do that? How can I do this? Well, you know, you can give it to people, <coughs> and I do. They normally still have a skill gap. All right, because they can't perform it, they can't do it. So eventually, they're going to come back to you anyway. All right. So, but I do characterize and and kind of position a client or a company in those three different categories because it helps me formulate and really customize and develop a plan for them, Jen, that works for them very, very effectively. And from that perspective, um, I think, well. Um, I'm going to be less humble than I normally am. I know I'm in a unique space in terms of what I do because not everybody does that. There's a lot of people that, that don't even know those three. They don't have the skill sets to understand that first you've got to change mindset before you introduce other things. Now, are there customers, Jen, and you've met them, you've supported them, you've had them. They want you. They hired you to do a thing, and they want that thing like now, tomorrow, all right? Those are different customers. Those are not trainable. Those customers are not trainable. Do I run into those? Yeah, I've got to find out whether I want to work with them or not. I mean, I, I really dismiss a lot of clients because it's not about the money. It's about can I work with you. Uh, and if I like your mission and you're a good person, then I'll work with you. If you're not, there's a whole lot of people that can hire that are going to give them what they want. And, and you know, and I don't have to go through grief. So sometimes I'll fire a client before I get a client, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so, so that's my that's that. Those are the three categories of thinking that I put people through. Uh, sometimes I'll use the term mindset, skill set, tool set. Sometimes I won't because I don't. You know, you can't overload people uh, with how smart you think you are. People don't. That's not. That's not what they want you to solve their pain. They don't need to be educated right now. So right. solve the pain. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's like the number one thing. That coaches and trainers do is um, is that's the main thing that you're trying to do is to solve the pain and that's what the client really wants or the customer that you have is they want to figure out how to solve this and get through it and figure out the tools or the skills or the mindset needed to get that pain solved exactly and if you're good at what you do and create top-of-mind awareness which we all should be doing uh, they will remember you the next time they have another hiccup Another difficulty, another area of of of, uh, of uh, service servicing that you're capable of providing to them. So that's why that's why it's important for you uh, as an entrepreneur, solopreneur, to set up your business in such a way that you are creating engagement ongoing, uh, even with people that have either completed the training with you or people who said no. Uh, you know, no is not a. It almost sounds like it's a definitive, not forever, but it's not. A no is a temporary one-word one statement at the conclusion of an offer. 
So knows knows is not I'm not ever going to use your services right now. It, it's just right now, which is the way I interpret it. They just said no for today, but there may be other services I could provide them. So my goal, from an ongoing engagement standpoint, uh, through the use of uh, automated marketing systems, is to stay in touch with them, providing them high value content along the way until I touch base with them on that day that they have that large pain where something happened. Uh, you know, um, you're in the business, Jen, of helping people transform and being transformational in the, to their target market by delivering their message to market, their uniqueness, uh, their messages. Well, how do, they, how do they do it? Once you help them with, see, you help them with the how. All right, they've always stumbled with the how. How? how. Well, how is real easy in today's environment for you, for me, for those of us who know how to do that, right? But they still think it's a, you know such a massive undertaking. Uh, when when you know all you got to do is if you don't know how to type, they don't like to type, then dictate it. Mm -hmm. I, I'll I'll be your interviewer. Prepare for these twenty questions, and I'll interview through a book. And in the course of probably less than a week, you've got a manuscript. Mm -hmm. You need a text editor, as you as you know, and you yeah. still need graphics, and you still need a strategy. But that's mm -hmm. where you come in in terms of the services that you provide people. Right. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your books that you that you've written there? Well, I've got um, uh, four books. The most recent one was uh, another compilation book. Uh, we had fourteen authors. Um, that book I don't have in front of me. I'm, I won't take the time to, to look for it. But it's called uh, Build to Grow Book. So it's it's B U I L D Build to T O Book dot com. And, and it's 14 world-class uh, leaders, thought leaders, came together to answer one question. The one question was, what keeps CEOs awake at night? What keeps CEOs awake at night? I actually did the Google search and put up what keeps CEOs awake at 2 a.m. in the morning, because I did the research and presented it to the team as a concept presentation to create a book. Because one of the things that I had noticed over time in terms of working with larger companies is that nobody writes to corporate executives. Everybody's writing to an individual. You know, some of the top uh, authors and leadership people in that space, Jack Canfield, Ken Blanchard, um, to name a few, uh, uh, Brian Tracy, who, who's a prolific writer, um, they write to circumstances. They write to an issue. They write to, you know, how to gain greater focus. But nobody's really writing to the executives who are struggling every day to grow a business mm -hmm. and to attract customers. Oh, and by the way, to attract employees. And then what do you do to engage them, right? How do you keep them? So so nobody was really writing to that uh, group. So 14 of us got together, decided to write it. We're all authors in our own right. 12 of us know how to write the books, do the books, get it done. And we started that uh, process September 1, 2015. And December 18, 2015, we had the e-Kindle version. Of the book, which again, strategically, we did that for the purpose of getting number one ranking uh, mm -hmm. and putting it on the on the book cover, as you know. So mm -hmm. um, we 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 turned that into number one bestseller in fourteen categories and uh, three continents. And it happens to be three continents by virtue of the writers. All right, two of them are Canadian and two Australians. Oh, congratulations! The rest of us were U.S. based, so we had a lot of fun with that. So so yeah. think about that. If you actually know what you're doing, can you write a book in 90 days? Yep, because <laughs> we did it. 
okay. and it's all possible and great content. Uh, so that was book number four, compilation book. book. Book number three is called Let Your Emotional Intelligence Do the Talking. I'm a certified emotional intelligence consultant trainer uh, through an organization, organization called Talent Smart, headquartered here in La Jolla, California. And so uh, I wrote my own book without any case studies. Here's, here's what I've learned. People who have a problem and want it solved now really couldn't care less about all of the case studies that you've got. So mm -hmm. the case study book was written by two PhDs because that's what they do. They research, case study, and all that. And I took 17 of 61 principles of improving emotional intelligence and wrote a quick book uh, for target market aged anywhere from 15 to about 30. All right. And this may sound odd to your audience, but I actually give it away to students because my goal is to have them transform and they're broke. Uh, they're not, that's not a revenue stream for me. That book is specific to, uh, it's, my, it's my oversized business card is all it is. And it's called, and it's called Let Your Emotional Intelligence Do the Talking. It looks like that. Mm -hmm. And well, I think it's, um, it's great um, that you mentioned this because you know, you're giving the book away for free and some people would say, what, why would you do that? But you have a passion for teaching and helping these people, the, the age group that you mentioned, and you want them to learn for themselves. So that's why you do it. Absolutely. That's See, that's, now you just asked the question that, you just answered a question that you didn't ask. But yeah. that is one of my whys. Mm -hmm. So as I work with people, I ask them, you know, why do you want to, why do you want to write a book? What's your why? You do the same thing. Because yeah. when you get to a deeper why, every objection and every obstacle along the way is going to prevent them from success. Mm -hmm. Unless you have a stronger why, then a stronger won't. And that is teachable. That is at point of intake, once I do an assessment, I kind of know the thinking based on what I'm looking at and reading in the assessment of how those prospective clients or clients process information. All right, because what you and I may consider nothing, they get all hyper and freaked out because um, it's such a huge obstacle for them. All right, why? Because they haven't experienced it before. It's new. It's normal. All right, you got to hold their hand and take them across the pond or the, the, the water flow and tell them it's okay, you won't slip, you won't drown, and I'm your safety vest. All right, so, so don't worry about it. Is it going, oh, and this other notion, and you've experienced this too, this other notion that people walk around with of perfection. I have to spend a lot of time, I, I don't know where they got it from, all right? By the way, I used to be in the same camp because I went to the same schools, the same pastor, preachers, uh, reverends, etc. parents that had whatever notion of success was, was always contained with perfection. Well, that's not true. That, that is a falsehood. Take any professional athlete who makes a lot of money from their job, J-O-B, which is also a sport, I guarantee you they don't always win. And they didn't start out winning. I mean, there's a great video I show people where that, that captures Michael Jordan and his rise. He got, he got cut from the high school basketball team. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with competitive sports, when you get cut, that means you don't play. So, so, uh, so from that standpoint, was he always a winner? No, but he became more of a winner by virtue of those setbacks, which set him up for a great comeback. 
And that's what I try to teach people. I said, don't get wrapped up in so 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 you know, so it wasn't to your level of perfection, whatever that means. All right. And then normally I share with people my two definitions of when I expect perfection. It's only two times I expect perfection. And that's for life-saving emergency surgery. Uh, that's one. And then the other time is uh, takeoffs and landings at uh, on flights. I expect perfection. All right. Everything else we can recover from. All right. So you, so you got a, some misspellings in that. You missed the word. I, I normally, uh, especially to the students that I that I gift my book on emotional intelligence to, I tell them up front there's probably a few typos in it. Don't worry about it. All right. Don't get all wrapped up. I know you're studying English and proper spelling, but don't get wrapped. And I say that to, with the English teacher in the classroom. because I, I do volunteer work at the schools. I said, don't worry about it. Please don't write me that I've got a misspelling. I know it. All right. And then I'll find one and show it to them. I said, on this page, you'll find it. All right. Do not tell me I have a, I, I, I don't care. All right. I just want you to get the message learn the lessons. So I think, I think, um, Jen, I like to have fun with what I do. That's the other component in my life. If I can't have fun with it, I probably won't do it. Um, you know, we're only on this planet for a short period of time. Let's figure out what we're good at, close the gaps, get the skills, and then have fun. Yeah. Because if you can have fun, wow, you can affect so many more more people on this planet from a, from a position and mental standpoint of of recognizing and having fun. And I kind of like that because we're sometimes we're all too serious, all too wrapped up in, well, I got I got to meet this deadline, I got to do this, and I got to do it. No, you don't have to do anything uh, if you work for yourself. I, I get the other component, all right. That if you're an employee, you do have to do things uh, in exchange for that paycheck. I get that, but you can also be gracious, show gratitude, and have fun along the way. If you're miserable. I will also help people transition to a different job if that's what they want, mm -hmm. but they don't have to stay miserable. Right. I love that. Have passion, be grateful, and have fun. <laughs> great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. Uh, tell us where they can find you. What what website can they go to find all your information in your books? Yeah, my website. In fact, I could download a free copy of the uh, Let Your Emotional Intelligence Do the Talking on my website at www.coachmiguel.com. That's www.coachmiguel.com. And I can always be reached um, via email at Miguel at coachmiguel.com. That's miguel at coachmiguel.com. So, Jen, it's been a pleasure for me to be with you, share with you a few perspectives. Uh, hopefully, I didn't speak too fast for your audience. Uh, and, and I gave them enough information that's actionable that they can actually go out, make a difference, and make an impact, uh, not only in their neighborhoods, but in their families and in the world. Yes, thank you so much. And we'll put that uh, URL uh, domain name at the bottom of the screen. And thank you to our listeners for listening today. Please uh, like and review and please subscribe to our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time. For more information about us, go to EliteOnlinePublishing.com. To get your free book, The Accomplishment and Success Story Starter, simply text your name and email to 832-572-5285. That's 832-572-5285. 5285.
We'd also like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. To get your free 30-day trial, please go to bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. That's bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. And get your free 30-day trial to show your support. Thank you, Audible.